we're facing a new epidemic today, and it's parental burnout. A 2022 report by the Ohio State University, so think this is 2022, peak pandemic here, 66% of working parents meet the criteria for burnout. They have nothing left to give. Hello to all of our exhausted and exhilarated working parents, and welcome to The Tightrope, a show about balancing career, motherhood, and everything in between. We are your hosts, Daniela Cornu, and I am Jess Felt. In today's show, we are going to talk about parental burnout, what it is, why it matters, and what we can do about it. So, Danny, have you ever felt burnt out before? Never. (laughs) You can't even say it with a straight face. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, honestly, sometimes I feel like that is maybe just my, like, base level of being, if that makes sense. Like, that is, I'm like, isn't this just where we exist in general? Yes, uh, I think you're probably not alone in that. And that is exactly why today we are talking about parental burnout. Okay, because I think it's become like the new normal. And if you look at social media, if you look at articles that are out there, all you see is just how burnt out today's parents are, how burnt out today's working parents are. And I think it's just become, this is just the new normal. Like, isn't that how parents feel i think i read an article recently where it was like um especially the way that social media portrays parenthood um i was like it's what did they call they called it something like uh a fantasy nightmare tell me more um where again like it's like people are like this is real parenting and it is that much chaos but of course when you like put it down you know it's social media sound bites right so it's like right you don't see you know all of the edges of all of these things but kind of what's cool and portrayed as well is just this like insane you know chaos and i mean and granted i don't know is it just like that and this is just like what you know like i I can't tell i'm like what's real and what's not i feel like but i do feel like that is like part of the story as well is like this is what's being yeah yeah it is. It's it's what we see out there. I think it's what many of us feel. As you said, like, isn't that just like my normal? That's just my baseline is feeling burnt out these days. And the research backs that up. Uh, Ohio State in 2022 did a study and found that 66%, 66%, two thirds of working parents meet the criteria for burnout. Okay. And that is not just saying, I feel burnt out. There is an actual survey that you can use because burnout is an actual diagnosis. Okay. And so that's a lot. That is not just people saying, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm burnt out. That is an actual criteria of diagnosis. So these are people that are like going to their therapist and talking about this. And this is how we're like tracking this information. Like, yeah, this is a mental health thing. Yes, it is an actual mental health thing for working parents. And I think it's really important 
for us to to talk about it, to be able to I don't know if like destigmatize is the right word here, but to be able to say, hey, this is a real thing. How do we talk about it? And what do we do about it? Or maybe how do we take it seriously too? Yeah, again, because as we just said, it's like almost like, haha, this is just parenthood. This is just how we are. And I, I mean, I was joking. I started joking about it right off the bat, right? It's like a defense mechanism mm-hmm. that we've built for ourselves to be able to process how much we are balancing and carrying. Um, I mean, we, I talk about, I talk again, just talk about this in the research that I do as well. Uh, because we take a look at this as parents return to work, right? I, most of my kids that are enrolled at Lee Village Cowork is, or, or excuse me, are parents of babies and toddlers. And so most of these parents are, are going to work for the first time, trying to figure out how to create that balance within their lives. And, and so, you know, we, we talk about working moms as an option, right? Half of working moms take an extended break beyond their maternity leave allowance because they just don't know how to go back to work without feeling completely overwhelmed or completely out of balance. And so it becomes this this fire point for them where it's like, I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm just going to quit. you know. And this is what we're seeing. It's kind of it's kind of this like epidemic. I I feel like I feel like it's this huge problem where people where where women especially because if we're forced to choose between our families and our work life, we're always going to choose almost always going to choose our families. And if we can, and this is what's causing some of these other problems, it kind of trickles down into a lot of other things because women are just leaving the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was my story. I, when I had my oldest son, when I had Caleb, I went back to work for, I went back to work when he was four months old and was back at work for about nine months when I hit a breaking point. I was working really demanding hours. I had a newborn still at home, right? If you want to think about it, he was four months when I went back it was only barely a year when I ended up leaving. That is still like really baby years where they need a lot of your time, a lot of your attention. My husband at the time was traveling for work every other week. So I was kind of the solo parent at home every other week. Yeah. And I hit this point where I just said, I can't do this anymore. Um, I broke, I cannot even tell you how many times I broke down in tears at work. Just because the stress at work combined with just my exhaustion level at home could not do it. And I decided it's not worth it. It is not worth it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom because right. I had just, it could not, I had nothing else to give. Right. I had nothing else to give. Um, and at the time, I don't think I knew I was burnt out at the time. I think I just was so not even aware. And I think that's what happens a lot, right? You're just so tired. You're so exhausted. You're just in it. You're not thinking, I'm burnt out. You're just in it. Well, and I think that like, again, when the narrative around us, right, when the narrative is like, oh, you're just a new parent and this is this is to be expected. And 
does parenting get easier in your in your opinion and perspective as your kids get older or does it just get different? I mean, everybody has a different take on this. Right. Everyone's going to have a different take. Uh, as the parent of a five-year-old going on 16-year-old, no. Right. It gets different. It doesn't get easier. Right. And so I think that like this, but the narrative, especially around newborn mothers from more experienced mothers or more experienced parents is that, oh, well, it, this is, you know, you'll get used to it, basically. Just get used to this. This is your new life. Welcome. Yeah. You know, and I'm not really sure how helpful that actually is. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Um, but I want to take a step back here because we're talking a lot about burnout. I mentioned it's a real diagnosis um, classified by the World Health Organization. It's in ICD-10, which is kind of the the Bible, if you will, of uh, kind of psychological or mental health disorders. Um, but what is it? Like, if you're listening to this, and like, am I burnt out? Um, here's the three different pieces of criteria. Is one, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Two, increased mental distance or negativity or cynicism. So that's kind of when you just feel like detached, like I've kind of just stopped caring or everything is negative and I'm just a cynic about everything. Right. That's really what that means there, that mental distance. And then three, reduced efficacy. Um, and efficacy being just your ability to perform, your ability to show up, your resilience, really. Um, and I think that, you know, even my story, right? Like I, I also, I went back to work. I did my baby. I went back to work like you were supposed to. Um, and I, I cried every day. I cried every day on the train in. I cried every day on the, uh, lots of, just a lot of feelings. But like, I think what really did it for me, what made me kind of made, make a different choice for myself and define a different life for myself was definitely this breaking point of being like, I'm not showing up anywhere. I'm literally, I am not showing up as a mom. I am phoning it in over here and I am not showing up at work and I am phoning it in over here. And I care about both of these things so much, but I feel so stretched thin that I'm not showing up anywhere. And so I think that that is something that really resonated with me out of those three. Because I think, I mean, again, exhaustion, everyone's like that. We can talk about this is something I actually have been thinking a lot about, about like, how do we overcome the opportunity, the opportunities for exhaustion. I think that's a different podcast, but the exhaustion, I think most people be like, Oh yeah, I'm exhausted. I think the other two are where it gets like kind of interesting, like the numbness that can come from being so exhausted and so pulled in so many different directions. And then on the counter side of that, the, just like, I, I, I'm literally not doing anything now because I'm not, because I'm not, right. how do you, how do you act? Numb right now. And I think the, the key, and especially with the exhaustion piece, is like the idea of it being chronic. Right? Okay. Yeah. A lot of this is like, well, I'm exhausted. I Baby's going through a sleep regression. Or I'm exhausted. They're teething. Or I'm exhausted this. If it's a point in time that you're exhaustion, exhausted, that is different from okay. this idea of chronic exhaustion, chronic depletion of your energy, where it's a bit of that like day after day after day, you just wake up. You just, your body has not been able to rest and you are just chronically exhausted. Um, and that's what a lot of this leads to, right? It's chronic stress. 
It's chronic stress, which really prevents your ability to show up, to be present, to do what you want to do, to have motivation, and to be able to navigate the ups and downs of life. Because your tolerance for that has just been completely wiped. Well, and again, you know, like, it just, like, becomes, like, a a trigger point for people. Like, they have no rope to – they have an empty bank, I guess, is a better, like, a better metaphor. metaphor. The cup is empty. The cup is empty. The cup is completely empty. your cup is completely empty, how are you then responding to things? I actually talk about this a lot. Um, with my therapist sometimes where she's like, your emotional bank is empty. And when your emotional bank, when you're scraping the bottom of your emotional bank, then your, your first reaction is always going to be poisonous towards mm-hmm. someone else because there's, you don't have that capital. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you've got a full emotional bank, you might be able to be like, okay, put past that one through when you're scraping the bottom of that. You're immediate. The first thing that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be negative or yelling or like frustrated, either with your partner, with your coworkers, or worse with your kids that don't understand what's mm-hmm. going on, and with yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely, and also with yourself. You're so much more critical when you're self-critical yeah. when you've reached that point as well, and that's like a spiral thing of shame. Right and what does that trigger? You know, mm-hmm. what does that trigger? If you're constantly telling yourself, like, I'm not good enough, I can't handle it, or I am less than, or, I mean, what is that? What else, you know, what other mental health things is this kicking off? Right. You know, in postpartum depression, anxiety. you know, anxiety. Yep. Um, all of this, all of this is going to be triggered by all of these pieces. Yeah. So that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? I think we right. can probably all relate to that in yeah. a certain way or form. Um, as I said, two-thirds of working parents meet the criteria for this. Yeah. How did we get here? <laughs> um, do you want my opinion? Yes. Um, my opinion is that we got here in this, like, women can have it all and do all of the things um, phase in the, like, the 19... 19- you know, 80s, 1990s, where it was like, we were just grateful to be included in the workforce. And we're like, I can, but I can still show up as mom and I can still show up here and I can, I can do it all. I am, you know, I'm every woman. And I think that that actually is not, not a narrative that I would subscribe to it. This as, as a millennial mother, like, no, I'm, I do not want to be every woman. I would like to be you your know, woman, but not <laughs> my woman, but not every woman, you know? And so I think that like coming back around to the idea of like self-discovery mm-hmm. is so important. Like, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? It doesn't have to be defined by other people. So that's my opinion. I think that like, that's, that's a big part of how we got here. Yeah. And I would say stacked on top of what we talked about last time is this really individualistic culture where we don't have the support systems to then help families and help mothers. So not only are you trying to do it all, but you're trying to do it all, all by yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's why when you look at research, you look at studies, there are higher rates of burnout and not just parental burnout, but all burnout. Like if you just look across the population, there are higher rates of burnout in Western 
cultures or individualistic cultures than there are in collectivist cultures. Oh, absolutely. And again, like our, we do not know how to prioritize rest. We do not even know what rest is. I really feel like, you know, if, if your version of rest is like, oh, I put the kids on to bed and then I'm trying to key into a TV show and that's rest. I would challenge that. Like, is that rest? We know that it's actually not restful. This is why we limit it in our children, right? Because it's overstimulating and it's all these different Mm -hmm. things. So are you ever letting your brain like disconnect and rest? Are we? I don't know. So I think that that's something too that like is so hard in a Western culture as well. We don't prioritize rest. We don't prioritize, you know, that true self-care. Right. I will say, right? Because you can look at as an industry, self-care is a very big industry. Yes. For go get a massage and, you know, go shopping and wine, like drink your wine and that's self-care and get your nails done. But it's not real self-care. Well, and I think that it can be so individualized. Again, going back to like everybody's a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. And how they, so I guess my question for our listeners would be, do you know how you rest? Do you know yourself well enough to know how you recharge? Because mm-hmm. I don't know that people really think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I come up sometimes, I, I fall into the habit of sometimes at the end of the day where I feel like I have nothing left to give. I just like sit on the couch and I'll watch TV and I'll scroll my phone. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think what I've had to come to realize, that's not actually rest, it's avoidance. Ooh. It's, I like, it's not that I'm resting and recharging, it's just that I'm avoiding any sort of thoughts of any sort of thing, and I just like, I'm numbing out. Yeah, you're pigeonholing your brain, right? Right. I am numbing out to it and just avoiding. And I will say, like, to a certain extent, that serves me. Yeah. But it's not true rest. Right. It's not true rest. It's just avoidance so that I can say, like, let me turn off enough that I can eventually fall asleep. Right. Um, but I'm not really recharging any buckets. No, you're not filling any cups. Right? <laughs> nope. You're not filling any cups. Do you know how you fill your cups? I do. Um, reading, for me, really fills my cup. Um, it's different than watching TV or numbing. Like, I just feel like there's something really restorative about sitting in quiet, wrapped in a blanket, even if it's summer, I don't care. I'll still have a blanket around me and just reading a book that I can just appreciate and just, I don't know, like melt into the story. Yeah. That's really restorative for me. Um, and, and travel is really r- restorative for I me. I think that travel is restorative for you. I have my reason. Yeah, I know. We both love travel. And so this is something we relate on a lot. For me, it's breaking out of the routine. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's being able to stop the routine of the every single day and, and getting out there and doing something new and trying new things. And it's just, yeah, it, it's just really restorative for me. I, I can relate so much to that. For me, I have trouble compartmentalizing and transitioning. Um, and so I need it to be almost like a big choice in order to fully be present, which is 
pivotal for me that is pivotal to my best. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to be present. I have a I've I've ADHD. I have a brain that is constantly in a hundred different places, which is why I don't watch TV. Which is because I generally some people can like watch TV and also be doing xyz i cannot do that i am like either all in or all out there is no like i i i turn into like hyper focus it gets like crazy and so i know that about myself and work really hard i have been working really hard to find true rest for me which is all about being present so how can i be present for me like turning off the hundred voices in my head is I think that's actually why a lot of people tune into like TV and, mm-hmm. and do whatever else. Because as you said, it's like you really, you really want to turn those things off. What I don't want to go all the way to is numbness. I want to learn, and I don't think I have the answers to this yet. This is something that, like, this is my goal this year is to learn how to be present. For me, like music, mm-hmm. like, is something that makes me. It, it 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 makes me be on one wavelength, <laughs> which is really hard for me. Um, and so just having like headphones on with music is something I do a lot now. Um, I have to have busy hands. That is something that like I know about myself. I need to have like busyness in my hands. So I we're like I'm baking a lot of bread right now because it's like it's active enough that you're engaged but a lot of it is like just waiting for it to rise and like whatever else so there's space in between that art um like doesn't have to be good art right but just like painting watercolors doing stuff like that allows me to like be present yeah and my favorite days frankly is just like one-on-one time with someone mm-hmm. One, you know, a lot of like social gatherings now have a lot of people or a lot of things going on typically, but like being able to spend one-on-one time, even if it's with my daughter, I can find my daughter to be very restorative without the chaos of like the schedule and a hundred people and all these expectations of running her around, you know, just going to get a coffee and walking to the corner with her watching her skip down the street and getting, you know, order something that she really likes. I find that very restorative and very true to rest for me. Yeah. And I think that that, but I think that there are people that are like, oh my God, no, I need to get away from my children. I do not want to be with my children to rest. So I think that that's my challenge for anybody that's listening. It's like, how do you rest? Yeah, really. But here's the question you always get then. Well, I don't have time for that. Right? And I think there is a truth that needs to be confronted at some point that you have to make time for it. It has to be a priority because if it is not, the opposite side of it is this burnout. The opposite side of it is then you are exhausted and depleted. You do not have the resilience to be able to handle the ups and downs. When something goes wrong, it's going to kind of snap you because you don't have that. And so we all have the same amount of time in a day, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. God, I wish there were more sometimes. Sometimes I wish there was less. (laughs) But we all have the same amount of day and we have to prioritize rest. We have to. 
there, there almost is no other alternative unless you're just like, I'm accepting burnout then. Well, and again, like, you know, I, I, I saw this recently too. And it was, you know, some people rest by working out. Yeah. Do not rest. That's my husband. (laughs) That is my husband. I wish, God, I wish I rested by working out, but I do not. But some people do. And uh, this gentleman, I think they're called like Lean Squad. um, And he, they have twin boys and another son. And I love their account. It's very funny. It does, it, it is a little bit of this like fantasy chaos. That's kind of what they portray. But at the end of it, he's always like, listen, everybody's, I think what, what they're trying to normalize on their account is like, it's everyone's crazy. Uh, Look, have you seen my life? It's bonkers, but I still make time for me. I still make time for rest. And they posted recently and it really stuck with me was like, everyone is, says they're willing to die for their children, right? We all say that. Hmm. Are you willing to live Hmm. for your child? Because how much life are you taking off? How, how much that, that the snippiness and the, you know, just the way that we fray at the edges because you're not taking space for yourself. Like, what is that giving you? You know, what is that? What is that coming back around to? And we're making ourselves sick. Mm, yeah. I mean, stress absolutely leads to sickness. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you want to talk about burnout, you want to talk about not only just the stress, but then a lot of times people adopt unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, like mommy wine culture or like social media could probably be lumped in there too. Oh yeah. Unhealthy coping mechanism, right? Um, Overeating, sweets, junk food, um, probably anything else that could negatively impact your, your health that you're like, but this is my outlet. Right. Right. This This is is the one thing. This is my one thing. This is my coping mechanism that I have. Um, And so I, I love to, I love what you just said there about like, what are you willing to do to, to live or be alive, I don't be present. Yeah, be alive. Be present. Yeah. I'm messing up the words here, but how can you reframe that? Essentially, right to say that taking time for rest is not selfish, but it actually is serving those that you love the most. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I think like some of it is boundary setting, which I think is incredibly difficult for for. Really, for everyone, I think this goes across the board. And I think that that is scary for people because they're afraid, whatever it is, it could be boundary setting with your friends that you want to show up for. You know, it could be boundary setting with your family Mm -hmm. that is, you know, and by family, I mean like your, maybe your extended family that is expecting. It could be boundary setting at work. Oh, yeah. You know, just say no. It's okay. I say this all the time. Like, it's okay to say no. Remember, like, that you hold the power. I'm actually reading a book right now for the book club that I'm in that is called The Power of a Positive No. Ooh, I love it. So it's The Power of a Positive No, How to Say No and Still Get to Yes. Okay. By William Urey. I I might be saying that last name incorrectly. It's U-R-Y. But essentially it is, how do you say no, but you're using no to get what you want? And to, and to something that's beneficial for all. Right. I think that that is something 
that people forget, right? When they set a boundary or they, um, they say no at work, you know, no, I, I'm sorry, I can't work until six o'clock. I have to pick my kids up at this time. And I am not going to feel guilty about it. I am not going to carry that. This is your life. This is your whole, like, why, why does that feel so bad for people? Why do we start to like eat that up later? And we're going to talk about this on our next episode, I think. Yeah. But I also think that like, here's the other side of it, right? You stress yourself that thin, you don't say no, then you're burned out. And then you're, you know, a year from now, you want to quit or you want right. to change careers or you become resentful. You start, you know, again, maybe it's not work. Maybe it's your family. You start become resentful. You start fighting with people. Yeah. What's going to happen if you don't set your boundary, if you don't say no, if yep. you don't create space for yourself? Yeah. So we're touching on it a little bit, but I want to sum it up here because we've really navigated to like, what do we do about it? Right. right. We talked about what it is. Right. We talked about how to get here. And now we're really at this point of, so what do we do about it? 100%. And so um, I want to suggest four things that we can do or that our listeners can do that are not overly time consuming things. And I think that's important, right? Because it is, we are saying you have to find time for rest. And let's think about how we can do that in really tangible, small step. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first is really to find a safe space to share your community that when you are feeling stressed, when you are feeling really burnt out, you know, you have that safe space to be able to kind of vent out those emotions without the fear of shame or judgment. I mean, you and I have that. We have a text chain that, oh man, if someone else was reading it, that wasn't us, they'd be like, wow, you all hate your families. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but not it's a safe space, at all, right? It's not that at all. It's a safe space that we know that we can come to to share when we've hit that point that we can let off some of that steam without feeling shame or judgment. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah. Um, two is to identify a healthy outlet. And I mean, we've talked about that between some of these unhealthy coping mechanisms. I, I, it's hard to just say, stop doing things. Oh, yeah. No. It's easier to say, what would I replace that with? I did an exercise. Um, this was how I, you know, I stopped watching TV. And again, I'm not suggesting that people stop watching TV. Some people really love it. And mm-hmm. that's the way they connect with their partner. If that's the way, you know, for me, it was like recognizing that I needed to set a boundary around that. You know, I did a, I did a, like a, a breakdown of my day. I wrote how many hours I was spending on each individual thing. So I was really struggling to find space to fit the things that I really wanted to fit in. Yeah. And I found I was spending like three hours a night watching TV. Hmm. What could I replace even an hour of that with that feels better for me? So I think that that that's really an interesting point there. Yeah. I think for me, I started thinking about um, wine, especially. I think I got into over COVID a really bad habit with that because no one was leaving the house. No one was doing anything. And all of a sudden it became like, it's Thursday. That means it's Friday, Junior. And then it was like, oh, it's Friday. It's Friday. And then the weekend. <laughs> and then, oh, it's Sunday. And it's like, all of a sudden it was like more nights than not. I was having wine with dinner um, and started thinking about, let me replace that with tea. Let me replace that with another drink that still feels like, oh, I get to enjoy this moment, right. but without the thing that's making me feel bad. The next day. I right. mean, honestly, like, girl, as I get a little bit older, I'm like that, you know, 
two glasses of wine give me a headache. So (laughs) I, I, you and I have talked about this, but I really cut back on that quite a bit myself just because I was, it was really starting to affect my health overall and the way I was sleeping. And, um, so maybe as a, uh, a joint to this episode and kind of at, on our social media, we can post some of our favorite uh, mocktails and things like that. Because I'm a big person too, where like, I like that celebratory cap on the day. I need it. Yeah. That is some, that is a way that I do give myself space to reflect on the day. Having a drink at the end of the day with my husband mm-hmm. is a ritual of ours. And I didn't want to get rid of that ritual so I replaced it with yeah. not tea because it just didn't do it for me. But I found <laughs> a lot of really good um, non-alcoholic wines that I like quite a bit. Oh, so. great. All right. So next one, number three. Uh-huh. What we got? This one takes a little bit more reflection, but is probably the most impactful, which is to pay attention to your mindset. And specifically when I'm talking about this, when you find yourself being really hypercritical of yourself, because the thing that helps prevent burnout, personally for me, other than rest the most, I think is the ability to be resilient. And when we are really hypercritical of ourselves, we've lost that ability to be resilient. And so really thinking about this idea of self-compassion as like a mindset, right? So really kind of paying attention. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that it was the 100th day of school and I didn't make the cake. How could I do this? I'm a terrible parent and spiraling in yeah. that that negativity, mm-hmm. right? Instead yeah. of being like, stop, I made a mistake. How did I do this? Oh, I missed that email. Okay, this is what I'll do next time. Moving on. Right. Well, and again, I think that I think this happens a lot. You know, it's hard when you are juggling as many things as working parents are juggling and working mothers are juggling. Um, it can get really, you're going to forget stuff. You're going to, I was late for pickup yesterday, Jess. I totally had a medical, medical procedure in the morning and was not feeling myself. And, um, was, I just got, I got distracted. And I looked up and it was 320 pickups at 315 at the latest. And I called me and I started to do this thing. And I know this of myself. Again, I, I, I know myself pretty well. I was like definitely death spiraling quickly. And he was like, hey, because I was like already in the car, right? I was off. And he was like, I will call the school and you are not a bad mother. And it's mm-hmm. five minutes away and you will be a little bit late and it will it happens, right? Like it just, it happens. Yeah. Right. And I can sit around and beat myself up because I forgot my kid at school. <laughs> I didn't forget her. I just lost track of time. Right. Um, I wasn't myself, um, but instead I'm, I'm choosing to give myself grace. Exactly. Just like right? I just did. Yep. Exactly. And that is probably one of the most impactful things that you can do. It's super hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. Right. But it's such like a mental thing of taking a look at our mindset and stopping that hyper criticism of ourselves and being death like, spiral. Right. The death spiral, as you say, and stopping being like, okay, made a mistake. That sucks. Right. Um, oops, let's move on here. Right. Right. I am not a bad person because I did this. I'm not a bad mother. I'm not a Don't bad person. Do it employee. on purpose. Right. right. Like, yeah. Okay. And so here's number four. Go outside. Yeah. Absolutely. I Take a walk. This one hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I cannot even tell you how many studies have proven that just going outside and taking a walk 
yeah. is so good for your mental health. Yeah. I, I mean, and I know it's hard, you know, in cold, I'm not a cold weather person, honestly. I like to look at it from the inside. Um, <laughs> I, agree. I grew up in Southern California. Yeah, I, like, uh, yeah. You know, questionable, but I do believe, like, I always feel better after I'm outside. I do. Yeah. I always feel better. Um, I, so yeah, I think that's lovely. Give me, give me the four points one more time just so, for our listeners. Find a safe space to share. Identify a healthy outlet. Uh, pay attention to your mindset. Um, and go outside. Yeah. I think this is all, um, these are all amazing points and hopefully they're helpful. And again, like, I think that, you know, my, my challenge to listeners would just be, how do you reset and recharge Mm -hmm. and really understand that about yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and take a big, deep dive, do a journal. You know, I, I like to journal too. I love journaling. That's another way that I reset. So whatever that is, like, that apart for yourself because you may think that you're resting and resetting but are you and then you find out maybe you're not doing it and introducing a different way that that could change everything for you yeah this is the tightrope career motherhood and everything in between danny what's your in between what's something that's going on for you something you're excited about um, I honestly, Jess, you're going to be really proud of me. It kind of goes back into this episode. I set my uh, word for the year as enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I'm really focused on trying. I, I have the tendency to bite off more than I can chew or not even more than I can chew, but just like with I've got chipmunk cheeks all the time. Like, you know, so my goal this year is just to enjoy instead of taking more on to enjoy what I've built and how it feels. And I've really been making some active decisions to be in that space. And I'm really proud of myself. Yay. So funny. My everything in between was going to be my word of the year too. And we did not sync them on that. (laughs) Do it. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, So my word of the year is purpose. And I really, it's kind of maybe a combination of like purpose and focus. And I think they're really connected for me that I want everything that I'm doing this year to have a real purpose behind it, for me to know why I'm doing it and for it to really, if it's going to be taking up my time and my energy, it better have a real good reason on why it is. Right. And so I guess combined with that, this idea of I want to be really focused then on what that is yeah. and really be able to move things forward and not be distracted and take on like a little bit of what you said, take on so many things that nothing really has a purpose or a focus to it. Absolutely. I think that's lovely. Well, high fives to Word of the Year gals. And, um, you know, for for those of you that are listening that don't know what that is, you know, um, maybe we'll we'll post some supporting material about selecting your Word of the Year. Yeah, it's really like intention. Yeah. What do you want your intention to be for the year? Thank you all so much for joining us today on The Tightrope. We know you really are juggling a thousand things, and it means a lot to us that you listen in. If you liked this episode, make sure you follow and subscribe to us on your favorite streaming networks. And of course, if you know a mom that needs to hear this, or a dad, or anybody else, share us. Join us next time as we talk about coworker guilt and how you can process these feelings and be present both at home and at work. We talk so much about mom guilt, right? This idea of the guilt that we take on when we are mothers, 
because we have all these other things that we feel like we need to be doing and we're not showing up as mothers the way that either we think we should be or the way that we want to be, right? I think what we talk about not enough or that we don't acknowledge is the opposite side of that for working mothers is coworker guilt. Yeah. When we used to show up in a certain way at work before we had kids, or we think there's a certain way we should be showing up now, but because of the responsibilities that we have at home as mothers, we can't. And so we feel guilty to our coworkers. We feel guilty that we can't show up the way that we want to at work. And I think it's just as important for us to acknowledge that as we do this other side, this mom guilt. Yeah, I think coworker guilt is a is a real thing, and that's next time. So until then, just put one foot in front of the other. Thanks, guys.